0: all right good morning everybody and welcome back to coffee chat we're going to reignite coffee chat which we've taken a little break on and today we had to do a coffee chat specifically today because today is a holiday in scotland so i have two scottish friends here to help us celebrate this day and i'm going to let them explain it to you so today joining me is liz lister good evening liz good evening Sarah. thank you for having us on yeah, and hello to Helen Houston, who is also in Scotland. Where in Scotland are you, Helen?
1: I'm in Fife at the moment. Um, uh, Central Scotland, really. All yeah.
0: righty. So tell us about what is going on. Liz, go ahead and tell us about uh, what holiday is going on in Scotland. Okay, well, I suppose that you would liken it to a kind of second
2: national day, because I hope most people around the world have he- heard of Robert Burns, Robbie Burns who is the national poet of Scotland so he is a Scottish icon and um, we had a poll in 2009 on one of the Scottish television channels and he was voted the greatest Scot of all time so there is a real love for him and he is known around the world but I would just put the question out there um, if people know of him do they know his poetry and if they've heard his poetry do they understand a single word of what's being talked about? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I have to say, I read Robert Burns in uh, college, I think, and it's like reading a foreign language, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It is, it is. A wee bit like a foreign language, yes, and I think that, you know, Liz mentioned the putting, you know, how many people know the poems. If we don't know the actual poems, we know an awful lot of uh, the things that he wrote in his poems, and, uh, you know, things like um, or oh, add some power the gift to give us to see ourselves as others see us or oh, if only we had the power to see ourselves as other people see us it would stop us doing lots of things that we might just blunder into um, so there's lots of little phrases that we use that um, in that in everyday speech that's timeless wisdom
0: say, there by the way yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I would always say i mean around the world do you sing "Old Lang Syne, Sarah? New Year, do you sing "Old Lang Syne? And I have no idea what it
0: means, but exactly. yes, I do.
2: <laughs> but when you're, when you're singing it, what do you think about?
0: Uh, it's nostalgia. It's singing about mm-hmm. nostalgia of days gone by and things that will never come again and looking exactly. at them fondly. And good friends and people yeah. who are no longer with us. Yeah. So this is exactly what is at the root
2: of Robert Burns' poetry, because although you might not understand the words, the sentiments that underpin it, people do understand across the world. And it's those sentiments that make him such a popular poet. Um, and so we, we um, Helen and I are part of um, a trio called Scottish Blethers. And tomorrow's episode comes out and the, we're discussing whether or not Robbie Burns is relevant in the 21st century. And the third member of the trio, Susan, can't stand him. You know, she thinks <laughs> he's just not relevant at all. And so we're trying to convince her that there is a the relevance and the, you know, the sentiments that he conveys are still very relevant today.
0: Well, it's interesting actually, because she's kind of like my age, I think. So I'm yeah. wondering if that's sort of a generational thing, you know? It might well not- be because we, we do, I mean, I think the fact that
1: Rabbi Burns, it's, it's the spoken word and, you know, there's not so much of it probably on technology. You have to act out a lot of his Poetry. But I came across a wee bit which I think a lot of people will recognize, um, but I think is very relevant in these COVID times. And he says things, the the best laid schemes, O oh mice and men, gang after glee, and Leas Nocht, but grief and pain for promised joy. And then he says, But but Musi, we were art blessed compared with me. The present only touches thee, but och I backwards cast my e." on prospects drear, and forward though I cannot see, I guess and fear." Basically, he's speaking to a little mouse, and he's saying, you know, you only think of the present, that's all you see. But we as, as humans, we can look back, and we can worry about what's gone before us, we can look forward, and we can get very nervous and panicky about what's ahead of us. So." But we just know that the best lead, now everybody knows the best lead schemes of mice and men gang after
0: glee. We know that phrase. We're always talking about, ah, the best lead schemes. Yeah, well, (laughs) Well, that's something that in in American English we also have. um, Yes. What's interesting to me is that, that Scottish actually is virtually its own language. Is it considered a dialect or is it considered its own language? Well, at the time that he was writing, he was
2: writing towards the end of the 18th century. And that came after all the events that had taken place at Culloden. Now, if anybody knows anything about Scottish history, the Jacobites, the followers of the Stuart line, King James, they were defeated for the final time by the House of Hanover. And after that, everything that was associated with Highland culture, it was basically ethnic cleansing. They weren't allowed to play the bagpipes, to wear tartan, to speak Gaelic. And so from then on, in the decades that followed, speaking even Scots dialect was considered inferior. And so if you lived in high society, if you lived in Edinburgh, then you would send your children to elocution lessons because you certainly didn't want them talking with a Scots dialect. And Rabbi Burns rebelled against that. He had been born the son of a tenant farmer. But the tenant farmer who was self educated, who paid for tutors to um, tutor his children in mathematics, English literature, Scottish literature, Latin, Greek. So he was an educated man. And that's where Helen's poem there, he takes a theme, a nature, the mouse, but then the sentiments are about his tenant farmer and his father being thrown off the land at the whim of somebody else. So we have to see it in the political and social times of the end of the 18th century. And he's taking a theme, using a mouse to write about the theme that he's talking about. So
1: typically, you also, also recognised that in those times that his wider audience would not recognise Scots, Old Scots. So he does have verses which are very, very sort of English in their sounding. Um, it's, you know, he, he's very clever. He recognises that he... Can't just have his very close knit Scottish audience. If he wants to be successful, he's got to broaden it out. So it's it's very 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 interesting.
2: And when so, Helen read, sorry, you see why we're Scottish blathers? Because you never get a word in. Sorry, Sarah. Sorry, Sarah. put us on mute when you want a word every now and again. Yes. But um, if you listen to what what uh, Helen was saying there. The rhythm of the poetry. Mm-hmm. It's what's called Burns stanza or standard habit. And it's six lines, four long lines, and two short lines. And it's very easy to repeat. It's got a rhythm. And so in schools, coming up to every 25th of January, we would have had Burns competitions. And so you learn your Burns, you learn to a moose, you learn all the. And that, I think, is what, because we can recite it. You know of Helen and my age you know because we learned and even your grandchildren Helen they're still learning oh yes
1: they, they they still do it they have Burns competitions in school and I was just thinking of one of the anglicized verses that gives it an idea of the rhythm um Liz is things I'm truly sorry man's dominion has broken nature's social union and makes thee startle at me by poor earth-born companion and fellow mortal so that's you know, he's talking to the mouse, but he's talking in English to the mouse now in
0: that rhythm that Liz was talking about. Wow, it sounds wonderful hearing it in a Scottish accent too. I, w- I wouldn't even begin to read it because I wouldn't even know how to pronounce it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's one of the things. And in fact, because it is Burns Night, I brought along, which you might wait till I get the camera, this is a haggis. Well, sorry, I have just had my chicken balmorals. morals. (laughs) So this is a haggis and this is what tonight in Scotland people and around the world people will be eating haggis. And Burns was so fond of the Scottish uh, haggis and the Scottish tradition
0: that he actually wrote a poem, The Address to the Haggis. Okay, before you read that, I need you to tell, for those who are watching that don't know, what is haggis? Oh, haggis, well, we don't normally tell people exactly what haggis is until they have tasted it. It's t- <laughs> okay, that's so funny because the one time I ate haggis, I was at a hotel in Scotland and it was on the breakfast menu. And so I said to the guy, can you tell me a little bit more about what's what's in that? And he goes, "Oh no, we don't tell you what's in it until you had a bite." <laughs> <That's> exactly <laughs> the same words. <laughs> All right. So, can you give us a, a general idea of
1: what it's 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 really it's in the old days when there was there wasn't a lot of. Uh, well you didn't have waste of food so every single part of the animal was used for food and this happened also in world war ii the nutritionists realized that the stuff that we had been throwing away was actually full of nutrition so the haggis is made up of the bits of the animal the offal that people quite often screw their nose up so it's all minced down with onions and oatmeal and some good spices and you know it really is a I like a haggis to be quite spicy, you're quite hot, and um, like sausages, I'm sure everybody listening has their own preferred make of sausage or butcher that makes their sausages. Well, haggis is exactly the same. You can get pretty awful haggis, and you can get really splendid haggis. So um, you just know which one. The, the one I've got is is you know, a good brand in Scotland nobody makes haggis themselves in their own kitchen now it's all you know, you you go to the butchers and you know the butcher will be making the haggis and you know that
0: that's the one you like so it's basically like scottish sausage right yes, okay. yes. and yeah, there's, there's i know so there's oatmeal there. in it right and then it's in a stomach is that right well again it's a bit the the tradition was
1: that you had this mixture that we talked about. So imagine it as kind of a soft mixture and you look around, you've got your open fire and you're wondering, what am I going to cook it on? And because you've taken everything from the animal, the bones and everything were used not in the haggis but as utensils. A very strong part of the sheep is the stomach bag. So that was washed out and used as a as a vessel. So they put this mixture into the stomach bag, sewed it all up, and then put it into hot water over the stove uh, to, to just cook. And then when you eat it, you, you don't eat the stomach bag. That's what people get, scared. you do not touch the stomach right. bag, it is the vessel. Think of it as the vessel in which it's been cooked. And nowadays, nowadays, it's just like sausages, you have you're know, like a sausage skin on it.
2: And of course, uh, the reason why we have it on Burns Night is because Burns, one of his famous poems was addressed to the haggis, addressed to haggis. So when before you serve the haggis, you bring it on a trencher, a plate. And um, so the haggis is piped in and the piper gets a little dram of whiskey before. And then the person who's running the Burns Supper would do the address to the haggis. Fair for your honest sonsy face, great chieftain or the puddin' race. Aboon them all, you tap your place, pain strike for therm. We'll have, will you worthy of a grace as long as my elm. So it goes on at great length. So you do the address to the haggis before he sticks his dagger into it and its entrails ooze out and weaken. That may be yeah, the most fattest yeah, thing yeah, I've ever heard. He actually speaks
1: to the haggis because he goes on to sort of say the groaning trencher there you fill, your hurdies like a distant hill, your seed would help to mend a mill in time of need, and through your pores your dews distill like amber bead. You know he's just really
2: caressing and loving this. <laughs> And of course, the haggis is served up with neeps and tatties. Do you know what neeps and
0: tatties are? I should. My Scottish ancestors are feeling very ashamed of me right now. Well, tatties
2: is the easy one. What do you think tatties is? What Mm, sounds like tatties? Potatoes. Okay, so tatties are mashed potatoes. So you champ it, you champ them down. Turnips. To mashed potatoes. And neeps are? Turnips. Turnips. Mm -hmm. That's that right. That you call rugabagar. What do you call them?
0: Rutabagas, yeah.
2: Rutabagas. Um, so you mash your turnips a little butter, pepper. Um, and tonight, as I said, I had the haggis inside chicken fillets. So stuffed into chicken fillets, wrapped in bacon, and then with a whiskey sauce over the top of it. So I elevate it.
0: That sounds a lot better than haggis, actually. <laughs> and now I'm thinking I actually have turnips in my garden that I never did pick, so I think I'm gonna go pick them tonight. Well, there you go. I should It'll have done a video. After a wee bit that. frost, they're yeah. always better. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, why is it the 25th of January that we celebrate Burns Night? It's his birthday. It's, it's, oh, he And is born on really... the 25th of January. Is it yeah. sort of a national holiday then? I and mean, is everybody in Scotland celebrating? Well, we don't get a holiday um, 1759 he was
2: born so as I say towards the end of the 18th century but I went to my local supermarket I mean we're in lockdown in Scotland at the moment so you can only travel for essential um, groceries and I went to our local supermarket and there was no haggis I heard people I had mine already in but I heard people saying there's no haggis there's no haggis so we've got a national emergency there's no haggis on uh, Day, so we don't have a holiday but um all around you know lots and lots of people setting up burn suppers which as Helen says is you know really popular around the world.
0: So what happens at a burn supper then obviously you said that they bring in the haggis they have a a pipe player they recite the poem to the haggis is there something else that takes place that night? Yeah there's a
1: a kind of a a traditional structure to the burn supper Uh, lots of speeches and one of the speeches will be to the immortal memory That's somebody will stand up and talk about Rabbi Burns and end up with a toast to Robert Burns, the immortal memory of Robert Burns. And there will also be a speech to the Lassies, to the ladies. Burns was a great ladies' man and so lots of poems and things, love poems from Robert Burns. And so there would be an address to the, the Lassies and then there will be a reply from the Lassies to to the, the toast uh, and it would usually have some sort of singing um, people would be singing uh, Scott songs, burn songs and reciting poetry, reciting his poetry. He wrote some wonderful long epic poems that were just fabulous stories um, and Tam Shanter is one of the, the most famous that is, that is recited. It's a,
0: like a ghosty story. I've always wanted to know that one. My grandmother used to recite parts of that, and I never really understood what that was. It's <laughs> <laughs> <He's> quite hard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, when Chapman Billies leave the street and druthy neighbours neighbours meet, and market days are wearing late, and folk begin to tack the gate, while we sit boozing at the nappy and getting <laughs> foo and Uncle Happy. Uncle Happy, we think me o the Scots miles, the mosses, water slaps, and styles. The lie between us and our home, where sits our sulky, sullen dame. Gathering her bruise like gathering storm, nursing her wrath to keep it warm. So that's him I talking, about, was good, talking about his wife sitting at home. He's, he's been sitting in the pub and uh, he's not thinking about her until it's time to go home. And then she's sitting there, um, not happy. And I think that's another <laughs> another
1: phrase that I think is known throughout the world, you know, of the wife sitting there, sort of gathering her brows like gathering storm, nursing her wrath to keep it warm. Is it just says it all.
2: So we've, Timeless. We've, got, we've got the two sides of friends because he's famous for his poetry and also for his songs. But I think what people don't know is that he what he did was to take ballads and songs and anecdotes and rewrite them. You know, somebody once said that he was, he was able to make silk purse purses out of other poets' sows ears. So his mother was a great big influence mm-hmm. on his life because his mother loved the oral tradition. So when he was growing up on a farm in Ayrshire, she would recite all these ballads and songs and anecdotes And there was a very strong what's called body tradition, B-A-W-D-Y. So songs that were coarse and rude, you know, he loved it and he loved the supernatural. He loved all the horror stories that she told. So he would later take these and rewrite them and include the sentiments in them. And that's the basis for, for many of much of his work.
0: Well, and what a wonderful place to to come up with sort of spooky and atmospheric sort of prose and poetry. I mean, if you if people watching have ever, have never been to Scotland, you should know that Scotland is one of the most um, dramatic in terms of scenery places that I think I've been with the rolling moors and you have all the mist and there's there's a sort of a touch of magic it seems like everywhere you go in Scotland so I can see how that could inspire a writer Um, so does he write um, principally about politics principally about uh, myth principally about love or is it just sort of a mixture what is his main uh, topic that he likes to tackle?
1: Well I think I think just as you said a lot of love poems but as Liz said right at the beginning he was living at a time that was very very close to a time of you know real turbulence in Scotland where Scotland had to change to come in and he did write some of his poems that were for instance he was staying in Stirling um, and he'd scratched a poem on the on the one of the windows in the hotel he was staying in. He sort of wrote it on there and then went back a couple of weeks later because he realized that what he had said was perhaps politically not very clever in terms of building up his own um, popularity as a poet. So he went back and actually smashed the window he was because
2: yeah, at that time, he was a great supporter of the American and the French Revolution that was going on. Yeah. So, you know, why he's so popular, he's huge in Russia, and that's because he was a poet of the people. You know, you asked what his themes were, his, his themes basically divide into three categories. It was love, it was nature, and it was um, a man's a man for all that justice, common good. Um, you know, so, uh, but at times particularly when he had to become quite respectable when he had eventually settled down a little bit and he had four children to support and um, he'd got a job as an excise man which is a tax man and that's when you're when helen's saying that he had written this radical poem and he thought just a wee minute you know when i'm writing it when i'm half yeah, cut on a saturday that. night maybe it wasn't such a good idea yeah. So he went back and he smashed the window in case somebody um, took him up on it
0: wow Well, it's an interesting point that you bring up about how he's writing at the time of the American Revolution and the French Revolution. And I think that we don't seem to learn history in a holistic way. So it's it's a fascinating thing when you look at a poet like this and you think about, okay, what is inspiring him? And it's not just the thing in his own village, but there are all these other themes. I mean, you you've you you've fast forward 100 years and you're talking about nationalism and you have, you know, Wagner. And I mean, none of our artistic pieces, music, poetry, they don't come from nowhere <laughs> they come from somewhere and that somewhere is usually what's happening in their country at the time even a love poem right yeah. can be is going to be directly influenced by the history not just in their own country, but around the world. So that's a really wonderful parallel you're drawing there. Because yeah, there were, it was basically toppling regimes all over the world at the time and this emerging democracies and things like that. So yeah, and
1: in Scotland- Well, well one, of, one of his poems, Liz touched on it, a man's a man for all that, a man is a man for whatever you say. And the last verse of that, I think is just so true today as it was at the end of the 18th century then let us pray that come it may, and come it will for all that, that sense and worth or o'er the earth, shall bear the green and ah that for ah that and ah that it's coming yet for ah that that man to man the world o'er, shall brothers be for all that. That's just, beautiful. it's just beautiful, isn't it? just beautiful sentiments that, you know, are across so the world today. we are
2: all the same exactly. but you also have to remember that in Scotland at the time that he was writing the church was a huge influence oh, yes. so for a man like Rabbi Burns a great lover you know that, that he was you know he was constantly being pulled up before the church to sit at the front of the congregation to be humiliated for his misdemeanors getting another servant girl pregnant and he had 12 children uh, you know he's got 900 descendants over 900 descendants across the world today he you know, he put it about a bit <laughs> and so you know he would see you know being brought to the front and all these hypocrites who were sitting in the congregation and uh, you know a lot of his work was satire and he would rant against injustice but instead of ranting he would use humor Um, so people knew who he was talking about but you know he, he was able to to get his own back and it was absolutely you know he, he put the the knife in um when he wanted to yeah, yeah one of one of the famous ones against the
1: church is just beautifully named holy willies prayer where the minister is on his knees to god saying you know oh, I've been awful good. Oh, but just will you forgive that wee misdemeanor last week and so-and-so, but remember that Mr. So-and-so down the road, don't forget what he's been bad. You know, everything about it is really good. But he was a great lover, Robert Burns. He was a great, you know, he just um, had, he just fell in love, didn't he, Liz? Just constantly yeah. falling in love. And one He loved
0: love, basically.
1: Yeah. <laughs> His greatest love was a married lady, Agnes McElhose, Nancy McElhose. And I think to her and about her, he wrote the most wonderful love poem that I've ever heard. And when you hear it sung, it's just beautiful. But it says, had we never loved say kindly, had we never loved say blindly, never met or never parted, we had ne'er been broken hearted. Now, isn't that just make you want to weep? It's just so nice. But talking about love poems and singing, we've actually
0: um, put up on Guide Collective a, a, a playlist of Byron's love songs. Great. Yeah, so people at home tonight, if you want to celebrate Robert Burns and you, you can't read the way, the beautiful way that Helen does, <laughs> you can listen to the music, you can enjoy maybe even just a bowl of Scottish oatmeal if you're not adventurous enough for haggis. <laughs> whiskey, right? Or a wee whiskey.
2: A wee dram. You've got to have a dram. And Bob, Bob Dylan said that A Red oh, yeah. Red Rose, which is another of his famous, that one that Helen recited there was called A Fond kiss. So mm-hmm. Aphon Kiss was about parting because Nancy McElhose never actually succumbed to his charm. She had a husband that she was estranged from and she decided to go and join the husband in Jamaica. So he was writing about loss when she was going off and leaving him. So a Kiss, but A Red, Red Rose, Bob Dylan said that it was the lyrics that had the greatest impact on him as a, as a writer. So another argument that is relevant today still. Yeah.
0: So really, Still it's the unrequited love which is the one that inspires the most, right?
2: Yeah,
0: because yeah. it's the love of fantasy. It's actually in love with yourself, in the sense that it's it's in love with your idea of love. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the sentiments. Yeah, use the Yeah. Like, Sentiment like he's, he's, he's... He's...
2: yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, just just you know, he's got some he's got some wonderful poetry, and you. know, you know, Liz said right at the beginning, this this he was a farmer. You know, first and foremost, he was a farmer. And um he everything he saw around the farm, he's got another little little poem, just this lovely sort of tenderness that comes out. He's plowing the field and he upturns a daisy, you know, just a little you know, to, to a mountain daisy, and he says, We um how does it start again? Uh, we we we
2: slim, oh, that's we sweet. that's the mouse not. Finger, I'm not sure how. It's slim, it floor,
1: who's met me in an evil hour when I man crush among the stoor thy tre- tem- tender stem, you know, and he can do nothing about it after that. It's it's a it's just, you know, the two a mouse. But I think the funniest one, the funniest one, is the two a louse. Now, do you know what a louse is, Sarah? It's like a head lice. Yeah. Head head lice. Well a louse, a louse is one of these little beasties that get in the hair. Now, just imagine Liz mentioned the, the, the church and everything. So you're sitting in church, and in those days the church would be crowded, would be busy, and the minister's talking away, and you're getting distracted by things going on round about, but in front of you, the lady sitting in front of you. Is sitting there with the most beautiful hat on, covered in lace and sort of tweed and everything. It's just beautiful, but then you notice this little louse crawling its way up through the net, and you. Know, everybody's beginning to see this, and they're looking at her, and they're just, they're just sort of you. Know, she's thinking, oh, they're looking at me. Oh, I must be looking really grand today. But they're looking at her and this little louse is climbing up but the poet sitting behind is saying please please don't go up you shouldn't be on that bonnet she's too fine a lady go and find somebody a little bit you know, lower down the the social class to climb on their bonnet They we used it but not this fine jenny don't don't let her see you this louse now that's what he says Oh, that oh, what some the power to gee us to see ourselves as others see us. Jenny's sitting there, oh, they're looking at me because I'm looking so great. But actually, they're laughing at this louse going up and down her hat.
0: Well, and you know that that's gotta be something that actually happened, and that poor woman's like yeah. embarrassment is immortalized. For <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just... Yes, yes. Um, it's like the worst I, kind we, of social media.
1: <laughs> yeah. We we talked about burns today and the The children still do Burns poetry in January and it's a competition and my grandson recited the Tuolaus when he was in primary seven, that means he was about age 11. He recited the poem and he actually won the prize for Fife for that age group um,
0: for his recitation of (laughs) Tuolaus
2: i so I've cool still that got, they
0: still do that and they value yeah, that kind of poetry because yeah, I've still I, I mean, got the
2: certificate. You know, you got a certificate if you were able yeah. to recite. I don't know if it was two verses or whatever it was, yeah. but, you know, it stays with you. And, uh, you know, he's, he's themes. Uh, and if anybody ever comes to Scotland, if they want to um, sort of worship a, an altar of Burns, if they, I mean, across Scotland, there are lots of monuments and whatever, particularly in Ayrshire, where he was born. But in Edinburgh, If they go to St Giles, um, to the church in the middle of the Royal Mile, the, the big window as you walk through, it's a new window that's been put in and it's called the Burns Window and it's got the three themes. It's got the love, which is red, the green, which is nature and the blue, which is about common humanity
0: is Beautiful. that is that how how new is that that's not i feel like i've seen that
2: um it was it was uh a um, danish um leaf for breed leaf leaf
0: for breed. icelandic
1: icelandic art icelandic, is it an icelandic mm-hmm. yeah
0: cool. So uh, if people were to want to go and and celebrate Burns properly in Scotland, what are some other places that you could go? We we need to continue to connect with our travel dreams because that will happen eventually. Yeah. So if you were well, a Burns fan, what are some other places you might want to visit? Well, the Burns Center, they've just built a big new Burns Center
1: down um in Ayrshire where, where he was born. And it's it's I think it's a very good center. It's very, it's it's modern, but it's got all the right your technology and things in to allow you to actually see and feel Burns and then you can actually walk out from there and oh just quite a short walk and a nice interesting walk to the cottage that he was at he actually was born in and lived in and it's a lovely um old old cottage with a thatched roof and it's got the kale yard which is the what we would call the vegetable patch now got the kale yard but the cottage would be half of it would be where the family lived and the other half would be where the animals lived because of the heat. everybody kept everything warm and then you can walk over the famous bridge that tam O'Shantar was trying to get to to get across the water to escape the witches and warlocks. you can walk over there
2: and of course there's the old church alleyway where, where they're bur- where they're buried. Your family yeah, are you, buried if you go to it now to look at the cottage that he was brought up in. It looks romantic, but life for his father was really, really hard. I mean, he was a self-educated man. He um, wanted to better himself. He wanted to better the lives of his son, but life just kept on kicking him in the teeth. You Mm -hmm. know, he would buy a farm and it was poor farmland. So even Burns, you know, being brought up, the hard work and the poor conditions, he had rheumatic heart conditions that meant that he died as a young man. So it certainly wasn't a, you know, it, it wasn't an easy life. Um, and, you know, it's to his credit that when he grew up and when he wrote and eventually was taken on by a publisher and, and printer and he went to Edinburgh, he was accepted by the literati of the time. You know, people like Sir Walter Scott met him when he was 16 years old and yes. he was left with a lifelong impression of the quiet dignity of this man. You know, he might be a farmer and they called him um, a heaven-taught plowman you know, he might have come
0: from the land, but he didn't consider himself inferior to any man. But do you think that that also, the fact that that society was willing to give somebody like that an opportunity, that probably has something to do with the the sort of zeitgeist of the moment, which was this idea of populism and, you know, the French revolution coming and the American revolution coming. I mean, I think it's all connected to that same thing because a hundred years before, nobody probably would have given a farmer's son a chance, don't you think? Well, that's
1: right. We very sort of probably wouldn't even allow him to walk the same streets, you know, just
2: be quite different. Of course, in Edinburgh at that time, we had the beginnings of the Enlightenment. So, in Edinburgh, we had this blossoming of you know the arts, the sciences. So, people were hungry, um, to adopt as a sponsor someone who they could because we had the building of the new town just shortly before Burns came to Edinburgh. So people were having routes and dinner parties and things and they were just delighted to have somebody of the intellect of Burns to turn up at their home so that they could impress um, their their friends with the, the quality of the poetry that he was producing.
0: So how was he discovered then if it was 16 that he was being in, in, introduced to these literary uh, nope. luminaries, Sir, Sir Walter Scott was 16. Um oh, Burns. Okay, yeah, Sir so so Burns- Walter
2: Scott lived in Edinburgh. He his um you know he was one of, of these um highbrow um, families in Edinburgh, and he remembered having met him when, when Burns came to Edinburgh. But he was he started writing his poetry in um while he was in Ayrshire, and it got picked up. And he had mm-hmm. the first Kilmarnock edition, which was printed um in Kilmarnock in Ayrshire. And then that was picked in, up in Edinburgh, and he was invited by a printer there, William Creech. To come and produce a second, well, a, a, a new edition of his poetry. So basically, it was sponsors and patrons that
0: were supporting him and mm-hmm. um, recognising his talent. Wow, that's an incredible story. And, and how how old was he when he died? 35, 35? 30, yes,
1: thirty-five wow. or thirty-seven. Very young. It was it was the hard work that that really got to him. You know, he, he was out in the field still still farming right through his life, really. The excise man was to get extra money because he had many children by this time. And he was he was faithful in terms of his children. He did support his children. Um, but the great love of his life in amongst all the um different ladies and that I he lo- lost was Jean Armour. He he she she was there the whole time, and his last son was born on the day Robert Burns was buried.
0: Wow! Yeah, what a short life! What a yes. an, an incredible legacy yeah. from such a, a small yeah. number of years. So, had he lived longer, who knows where where he would have taken poetry. Yeah. So that's. But,
2: you know, you were talking about where to go to find out what's I mean everywhere in Scotland in Edinburgh mm-hmm. there's a monument and whatever so there's there's you know there are memorials to them all over Scotland but yeah, down yeah. in that area of, of Alloway and Ayrshire you know close to that is Dumfries and Galloway it's a whole area of Scotland that not many tourists come to beautiful area Galloway for example they've got a dark sky park you know there's um in fact we're going to do one of and we're going to cover it on one of our episodes of um the of scottish Leathers mm-hmm. because people including ourselves um travel there so little you know it's, it's a it's a beautiful area but um unless you've got reason to go there very few people go yeah hmm.
0: well what an incredibly interesting uh poet i'm just wondering if helen uh we're very much enjoying listening to you recite do you have any other pieces you might want to read for us Oh, do some more of, of Tam chanter Helen. Yeah. Well, I could, I could do, I could do um,
1: the and also while the she's two looking, of, the two of any, mouse, we, We've if been talking. Would, oh, sorry, sorry. If anybody watching
0: would like to ask questions? I'm checking the Facebook feed too. So, if anybody out there watching would like to ask Liz or Helen any questions about rubber birds, please go ahead and Thank drop you. your comments right now. And Helen, go ahead and take it away for um, a little more. Well, We've talked a, talked a wee bit about the poem to a mouse, so I'll, I'll give you
1: a bit more of it. Wee sleekit, coo and timorous beastie, oh what a panic's in thy breastie, that makes thee start a wassey hasty wi bicker and brattle. I would be lath to run and chase thee wi murder and paddle. I'm truly sorry man's dominion has broken nature's social union and justifies that ill opinion that makes thee startle at me, thy poor earth born companion and fellow mortal. But, Moosey, thou art no thy lane. In proving foresight may be vain, the best laid schemes o' mice and men gang aft a glay and lay us nocht but grief and pain for promised joy. Still, Thou art blessed compared with me, the present only touches thee, but och, I backwards cast my eye on prospects drear, and forward though I cannot see, I guess and fear. And that's the, the To a Mouse one. And, you know, the other one bits of um, the, the Haggis one is quite interesting too, if you've got a wee bit of time. We've talked about the addressing the haggis and, and everything ab- about it, How with it. and then it goes on to say, Is there that our other French ragout, or oleo that would stow a sou, or fricassee would mack her spew, with perfect scunner, looks doon with sneer and scornful view on sick a dinner. See a poor devil, see him o'er his trash, as feckless as a withered rash, his spindle shank, a gid whip lash; his neave a-knit through bloody field or flood to dash, oh, how unfit. And then it goes on, but see the rustic haggis fed, the trembling earth resounds his tread, clapping his wally neave a-blade, he'll mak it whistle and legs and arms and heeds will sned like taps o' thristle. Ye powers that mack mankind your care and dish them out their bill o' fare. Old Scotland wants nay skinkin' wear that joups and luggies, but if ye wish her grateful prayer, gie her a
2: haggis. And at that point you hold up your little ram and
0: toast the haggis cheers cheers all right we'll pretend this is whiskey with us
1: well i I have
0: wine i just got
1: my highland spring water
0: (laughs) oh water is it really water helen really i don't i don't think i believe you yeah if (laughs) people are interested
2: i mean all of the the sites with burns poetry on it they all have translations you know so it's really good to go in and understand and the one that people know, and it's one of my favourites still, is Auld Lang Syne, the words of yes. Auld Lang Syne. If you actually hear, because we only sing two verses and two choruses, but if you actually go in and see the full poem, the full song, the words are absolutely beautiful, particularly when you get the translation, you understand yes. what you're singing. And also, you know, people join hands and they go charging into the beginning and whatever. You should know the format. You only cross <laughs> hands when it says, "And here's a hand, my trusty dear." Trust so you cross hands hand at that hand. point, not before, and then on the fourth you go in, and it's odd lang sign, not odd lang sign. <laughs>
0: so just get it right. That written, by the way that that is, I mean, it's one of these things that's in our consciousness, but I don't think a lot of people know the origins. Again, it's one that Robert Burns picked up. It was there as a ballad. Um, so he took
2: it and he wrote, rewrote the words to it. So you know, late 18th century
0: for the for the Burns version. But it's a traditional from who knows yeah, when. Yeah, yes, wow, that's really incredible. Well, you guys, this has been an absolute delight, and I'm not sure I've celebrated Burns Night before, so now it's a a new holiday for me. So. <laughs> thank you for your beautiful poetry mean, um, your your reading is just absolutely spectacular and so just to remind people that are watching scottish blethers you guys have your new episode it's tomorrow is that right tomorrow is the gone. burns you're just along the
2: lines of what we've been talking about this evening but people please follow us on scottish scottish blethers podcast you can find it on spotify apple and uh, and we're just this year we've got a new venture starting in january which are virtual tours so we're going to be um, taking a theme once every fortnight and one of us will host that theme and we'll blether as usual so there's lots going on with Scottish blethers
0: very cool so it's a great way to learn about Scotland and also coming up in the in the distant future uh, Liz runs Jaggy Thistle which is a tour company so she'll be launching some tours which you'll find out information here on this channel about once that's all put together so uh, you can actually travel with Liz in Scotland and listen to that beautiful poetry live which would be something incredible so all right ladies thank you so much for joining me today um it has been an absolute delight as always I enjoy blethering with you so hopefully maybe I can be a guest on Scottish blethers I'm I'm a wee wee bit Scottish you know Murdoch (laughs) is a Scottish (laughs) last name so
2: and I would just say just finally I would just say that I have not been on the whiskey I am sitting with a heater and I'm getting hotter and hotter and hotter so it's (laughs) nothing to do with the whiskey (laughs)
0: I don't know if I believe you ladies. Oh, I'm just (laughs) drinking water. Oh, I'm just sitting too close (laughs) to a heater. We think I don't know does that. protest too much. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for watching another Coffee Chat today or shall we call it Whiskey Chat? I think we need to be honest and just call it Whiskey Chat today. Uh, so we may be doing a little bit of Scottish cooking this week. I think you've inspired me, Helen. I'm going to go out and pick up those turnips out of my yard and I'm going to go see if I can make something with that this week. So coming up this week, we'll Excellent. figure out how to make some neeps and tatties and see what, how that turns out. So Excellent. All right, thanks a lot everybody and Thank see you. you again soon. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.